Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Single Tracks podcast. My name is Jeff, and today Aaron and I are going to be talking about Aaron's recent trip to West Virginia, where he checked out some of the mountain bike trails in the area. And this is this is an area that we mentioned about a year back or so in our list of some of the up-and-coming or under-the-radar mountain bike destinations. So I'm stoked to hear what Aaron was able to find in West Virginia, the mountain state. So Aaron, what part of West Virginia did you visit on your trip? I stayed in Snowshoe, which is it's about halfway up, like north to south in West Virginia, but it's near the eastern border with Virginia. And it is in the middle of nowhere. It took about nine and a half hours to drive there from Atlanta straight. And that was only stopping for gas, basically. And yeah, I didn't even have cell signal for probably the last hour or more of the drive. And that even includes once I got to the resort itself, I still had no cell service. And apparently, pretty much no one does AT&T. Apparently, you might get a bar or two if you're lucky, but uh, otherwise, you're out of luck. Yeah, that's crazy to imagine, especially here on the East Coast where everything is so connected and you're always near a big city. So... Talk a little bit about the town where you actually stayed. So I stayed in Snowshoe, which is the resort. One of the interesting things about Snowshoe is you stay on the top of the mountain. So instead, you know, where most, um, you know, ski hills, mountain bike parks, whatever you go to, the resort area is at the base of the mountain. This you're actually on the top, which I think the elevation is around 4,700 feet. So wow. yeah, you're pretty good ways up there. It's, you know, it looks like your typical resort town. There's a, a square area where there's restaurants around it. And then you have the, you know, all the various hotels and things. And then you have other lodging options. There's houses you can rent, you know, kind of scattered all over the hill, but it's, it's really quiet during the week. The lifts are open from Thursday to Sunday. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it is really quiet. I got there on a Tuesday evening, kind of later in the day. And there was no one around. Like it was, it was really weird. I mean, it was like a ghost town. So, uh, yeah, there's no, there's not like a real grocery store in Snowshoe. There's a couple kind of, uh, there's a wildcat provisions, which has some, some basic necessities and uh, a few other things, but the really the closest town that's sizable at all is Marlinton. And that's 30 miles south of snowshoe and with the winding road to get there it's the better part of an hour drive wow that's crazy but i mean i guess for a lot of mountain bikers that's what they're looking for is a place to get away from it all and get away from the crowds and sounds like you found that during the week so how did the actual bike park you know you rode a a couple of different places and different types of trails but how did how did the bike park compare to some of the others that you visited I was really impressed with the bike park. I, I'm not a bike park expert by any means. I've been to, I've been to a couple, but I have been to Whistler several times, which is pretty much the gold standard for bike parks. I don't think too many people would argue with that. Snowshoe, again, you know, so you stay at the top of the mountain. So you 
roll out when you're ready to ride. You know, you just roll to the lift and then go down the mountain. So the first run of the day, you don't even have to wait in the lift line. You just hit the trails. That's That was pretty cool. And there's two sides to the mountain. So the eastern side is the, the basin side, and there's a lake at the bottom of it, um, which actually has like a little snack shack that uh, serves hot dogs and burgers and, and beers and stuff. So you can stop there and hang out on the patio by the lake, you know, mid-ride, which is a nice nice little feature. So the basin side has about an 800-foot elevation drop, so you know, not terribly long. And then you have the Western Territory, which uh, obviously is on the west side of the mountain, and that's got a 1,500-foot drop. So pretty wow. pretty substantial. Yeah, nice. yeah. A lot of the Western side was closed. There's a pro GRT race, which is the uh, like the USA Cycling Gravity Downhill Series. There was a race happening over the weekend. So a lot of the trails on the Western side were closed for the race, you know, because they're they're using various bits of different trails to get down the mountain. So I wasn't able to ride. I rode everything that was open on the western side, but it was only probably a third of what was actually what's actually there. The technical riding that I found there, I would say, is world class. I think in terms of the technical elements that it would rival some of the stuff that I've ridden in Whistler. On the basin side in particular, you have all these letter trails and, and they don't have names. It's just like A, B, C, D, E, et cetera. The, and these trails just kind of are little options off of blue runs. And they're these, they're black and double black, uh, diamond trails. And holy crap. It's some of the steepest, like rudiest, rockiest, scariest stuff. At least it was really scary when the first, when I first hit them because it was soaking wet. So you turn off this blue trail and you're like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'll try out this black trail. And all of a sudden you're pointing straight down this crazy spider web of, of roots. And it's really steep, not really sustained steep. You're really, you know, you have, you know, maybe a 50 yard run of a steep section and then you kind of hit a catch berm and puts you into the next section. So you're kind of like stair stepping down some of these things. But the, the technical riding was amazing. And that's, I'm not very good at jumping my bike, so I, I prefer the more technical, challenging stuff. And uh, there's plenty of it to be had there for sure. And, uh, you know, I, you, you can ride a trail bike on most of the trails there. And in some cases, you're, you're probably going to be faster, especially on some of the blue stuff. But uh, for the really technical bits and some of the faster blue runs, you're going to want full-on downhill bike just because you want that extra margin of error and you want you want something that can you know help you carry the speed over over the the roots and rocks cuz that's really speed is your friend in those situations if you start slowing down too much your wheels start getting caught in the holes and it's easy to get bounced offline or get bucked over the bars yeah for sure so it sounds like they had a lot of really good natural terrain was there a lot of built up stuff as well like ramps and dirt works and that kind of thing there was a there was a fair amount of that, especially on the Western Territory side. Some of the blue runs had some massive berms and some some tabletops and some doubles. Yeah, so there there was a fair amount of sculpted, you know, what you would kind of more think of as traditional like bike park trails. So there's there's plenty of that as well. So it's you know it's a good mix of both. So if you want to ride, if you want to ride the the flowier bike park stuff that's available and then there's the techie stuff and you know you can hit up both in the same run down the mountain which is kind of cool that's awesome so did you get a chance to explore beyond the bike park what what was that like 
I did actually. So on Wednesday, since the lifts weren't running, uh, I rode in Slady Fork, which is about, it's about 10 miles, uh, south of Snowshoe. And it's a town. I use that term very loosely because I think it's pretty much just, there's like a post office there and there is one restaurant slash touring company, Elk River Touring. And that's about it. I mean, there's no, there's no stores or anything there. So the, the trail system I, I rode, I'm not sure exactly what the name is, but it was Tea Creek and Golly Mountain trails. So I pretty much rode all that they had, uh, or most of what they had, in, at least in this one little area. Um, Philip Yates, big shout out to him. Uh, he manages the, the bike park at Snowshoe. He was, unfortunately, he was really busy during the week, so he couldn't, uh, you know, with the race, he couldn't ride with me, but he put together some great loops and had awesome suggestions and in fact lent me uh his personal bike since since i was having some bike problems i was waiting on a bottom bracket to come in i was going to ride a, a hardtail and he told me that uh, friends don't let friends ride hardtails in slady <laughs> fork so he he lent me his 2017 specialized stump jumper so that was awesome yeah and um, you recently wrote a review about that bike too so i did people who are from. interested in that bike definitely <laughs> check out the article yeah, so in addition to the trails out in, in Slady Fork, Snowshoe itself has their own backcountry trail system on their property. Uh, so there's like Cheat Mountain Ridge, Bear Scat, which is all these little trails off of Cheat Mountain Ridge, um, 6,000 steps, which is definitely a highlight of their backcountry trails on their property. I would definitely recommend hitting up 6,000 steps. And then uh, Headset Adjustment, Beaver Dam, and... What's really cool is uh, I would also recommend as part of your, if you're going to do a backcountry ride there, you take Cheat Mountain Ridge out and you go past the trailhead to 6,000 steps just a little ways, and there's a fire tower out there on top of the ridge, and you can climb up to the top of it and just have incredible 360-degree panoramic views. So, you know, pack a beer in your bag, go up there and drink a beer, hang out, and turn around and uh, head back down 6,000 steps. And the cool thing about that is you get down 6,000 steps and you can you can follow like a gravel road back over to the lift and take the lift up the mountain so you don't have to climb that 800 feet to get back to the top of the hill if you don't want to. Oh, nice. Well, so you've ridden a lot of places on the East Coast. How does the, the riding and the trails in West Virginia compare to other East Coast destinations like Central Pennsylvania or Pisgah or some of the others? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I actually thought a lot about this while I was riding there. And it really it's a really unique place, but it's also kind of like a combination between Central Pennsylvania, where I did like the Transylvania Epic, for instance, and Pisgah. There's not as much rock as there is in Pennsylvania, uh, which is probably a good thing. But the grades were similar to Pennsylvania, where it's it's not not super steep like Pisgah can be, because Pisgah can, you know, you, there's so much hike-a-biking that you end up having to do in Pisgah just because the trails are insanely steep. So yeah, it's like, it's it's got more, it's got more roots than uh, Pennsylvania does, so that's kind of similar to Pisgah with, with the rootier terrain. It's got a lot of rock, kind of similar to Pisgah, not as much as Pennsylvania, and then kind of a more mellow grades, I would say. And somehow, amazingly, uh, I would say that West Virginia was even more green and lush than either Pennsylvania or Pisgah. Everything's wet. It's all covered in moss. 
Uh, there's ferns everywhere. You know, certain sections that I rode in the Slady Fork trails, it was basically a bog. You know, the, the ground was really squishy beneath the tires. But I would say the biggest difference riding there was just how remote the trails were because you are, like I said, you know, you don't have cell service out there and then you get out on the trails and you're even farther from the town of Snowshoe, which is not really a town. You're, you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere and it's, it's because you are. It's certainly the most remote I have ever felt on the, on the East coast. And the trails are very, have a really backcountry feel to them. They're not maintained um, necessarily. I mean, they do go out and do trail work on them, obviously, but uh, there was uh, a lot of overgrown sections where I was getting whipped by briars and stinging nettles, which, oh, man, <laughs> that really sucked. But there's, I mean, there's nowhere else to go, so you just kind of have to grit your teeth and, and pedal through it. But I was getting whipped on my arms and legs, and, yeah, I got done and had, you know, my, my legs just look like, Somebody had cut me with a sheet of paper about 5,000 times. Ouch. So, yeah, you said that the trails were a little bit overgrown and were obviously really remote. Was there good, like, signage out there? And, you know, was there any sign of man? Like, <laughs> like were there bridges at various points, or was it just purely backcountry? No, there's actually good signage. The, you know, the, uh, for instance, Slady Fork. You know, there were a lot of different trail intersections and a lot of different options. And, you know, Philip had great directions for me and he actually lent me a map as well. So it was really easy to follow. But every intersection there was, there was good signage. So no, it was, I mean, I didn't see anyone else out there, but, uh, you could get lost conceivably, but as long as you have a map, I think you'd be all right. It's not, it's not that confusing since everything is marked. And of course, with the, the trails on Snowshoes property, since, you know, they're, you know, big resort, they, everything's marked out there really well. So yeah, you can, you know, kind of choose your own adventure and follow signs or, or you can, you know, I would definitely recommend picking up a map because you could, you know, you could take a route that you don't necessarily want to do, um, which I, I found out the hard way. I tried to put together my own loop in the in the back country of uh of snowshoe and definitely chose to go the wrong direction on a couple trails so i I probably should have asked asked for some uh local advice before i headed out on that ride but i definitely made the best of it and well yeah when i realized when you know i'm like pushing my bike up this super gnarly hill like it was too steep to ride I was like, I'm definitely going the wrong way on this trail. So once I got to the top, I just rode back down it because it, <laughs> it was pretty much the best descent of the day. So, uh, and that was uh, Upper Beaver Dam Trail, I believe. So, okay, that was definitely a highlight of the of the snowshoe backcountry there. Nice. So, are a lot of the trails, or are most of the trails in the national forest open to bikes? I know in a lot of parts of the eastern u.s there are wilderness areas that you got to get around and things like that where did you feel like though there were a lot of options and plenty of biking to do out there i mean it seemed like it for sure all the all the stuff in slady fork was obviously open to bikes and the stuff in and that snowshoe is as well um, it's also open to hikers and certain sections of it were open to motorized so atvs and um, motorcycles and that that's type of thing, but I actually didn't see, uh, I saw some hikers, but I didn't see anyone on any motorized vehicles, but the loop I did at Slady Fork was about 25 miles, I guess. 
so that and that was a good ride i mean that was probably at least four hours maybe five hours wow um how much climbing did you do in 25 miles you know it actually wasn't as much as i thought it would be i think it was a a little over 3,000 feet maybe Mm 3,500 feet which you know for us i mean that's a lot of climbing like don't get me wrong but you know in georgia that's uh you know riding right up in lj or something you could easily get that in in less mileage so and the climbs were kind of uh you know it's like in pennsylvania they're kind of sneaky since the grades weren't so tough you didn't really realize that you were climbing necessarily i think one one trail in particular bannock shoals it was about a four four and a half mile climb just Hmm. not steep but but just a steady steady grade that definitely by you know the first half of it went by pretty well but by the top i was like man when is this friggin' hill gonna cool so what kind of bike do you think works best on the trails particularly like in slady fork definitely uh i would heed philip's recommendation to ride a full suspension um there's just there's so many routes and a lot of the the trail there's not necessarily one defined line so you're kind of just bouncing all over the place depending on where your wheels are sliding on the moss so you're definitely going to want a full suspension it's just going to going to take the the sting out i think it's really going to help with the the technical climbing out there i was on a 27.5 stump jumper but honestly i think a 29 would probably be better for that area just because you know, your wheels are less likely to get hung up in between the roots and all the random holes that are out there. So the 29er is going to, with the, the better rollover ability, I think that would be, that would be my choice. That's good advice. All right. So finally, what would surprise you the most about the trails in West Virginia or, or just the mountain bike scene in general there? I mean, everything surprised me. I'd never been there before. I've driven through West Virginia on my way to other places, but I'd never, never spent any time there. So I didn't know what to expect. I didn't really go in with any expectations. Um, you know, I'd heard good things about the bike park there. Uh, it is kind of one of, it's one of the, probably the biggest bike park that's close to the, the Southeast. Um, so I know a lot of riders locally and from, you know, Western North Carolina go up there and ride and they've always had good things to say. So, yeah, I figured the bike park would be cool and, you know, there'd probably be some other fun trails there, but I was, I was really impressed with the, the quality of trails, the, uh, diversity of trails. It's truly an amazing place and, you know, it is hard to get to, but I think, uh, the, the reward for putting in the time to get there is, is getting to ride friggin' awesome trails, pretty much having them to yourself. So, I will definitely be going back. I'll bring some buddies with me this time. But uh yeah, I would I highly recommend uh snowshoe. It's it's one of the best places I've ridden on the East Coast for sure. I think it could rival almost any East Coast locale, actually. Well, awesome. This has been a great endorsement for the riding in West Virginia. If you're looking for more trails in West Virginia, be sure to check out Single Tracks. We've got a whole database full of trails for you to explore. Also, be sure to look at Helena's recent coverage of Big Bear Lake in West Virginia on a trip that she took this summer. And finally, be sure to review us on iTunes if you're enjoying the podcast. If you're not, please don't review us. (laughs) That's all we've got this week. Talk to you again next week. Peace.